Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Examining wrestling stories and matches through the eyes of game plans, adjustments, intangibles, and analytics. This is the series. Previously on the series. Punk remained undefeated in AEW, pulling out a miracle victory over Wardlow. Following a quick win over Sean Spears, Punk was finally going to get his hands on a man he had been chasing for months. MJF was the most well-rounded performer Punk had stepped into the ring with at this point in his AEW career. He was young, hungry, technically sound, war-proven, but not war-torn, and could play mind games with the best of them. Very few in wrestling can match Punk in experience, and while MJF didn't have the overall experience that Punk did, MJF had already been in high-profile situations against world champions in some of the biggest matches in AEW history. Though it may have seemed as if MJF wanted nothing to do with Punk, avoiding him at every cost, it's all part of his game plan. While Punk was going to battle every week, MJF was taking it easy. Punk proved against Darby Allin that rest is an advantage. He wasn't as banged up and had plenty of tape study on his first AEW opponent. The tables were turned in this bout. MJF was rested and now had enough footage on Punk to devise a better game plan than previous men. Punk not only entered the bout undefeated, he returned to Chicago, giving him a huge home ring advantage. MJF hears the boos everywhere he goes, Long Island being the exception. So the crowd being against him was nothing new. But being in Chicago and wrestling CM Punk is a different animal than being in New York and wrestling Brian Pillman Jr. Though Eddie Kingston tested the mental fortitude of Punk before their bout, MJF pushed him past the brink. As we saw against Wardlow, MJF had planted himself squarely inside the head of Punk at all times by dissecting his career and attacking it at every angle. Punk's problem, at least this version of Punk and his problem, is that he cared what everyone thought about him and didn't want to be seen as letting anyone down. Punk knew the shortcomings of Kingston's mental makeup and was able to take advantage of that in their fight. Though Punk returned fire on the microphone and MJF had failures of his own, his failures don't consume him. Any criticism thrown at him was met with a grin and an unwavering sense of self-belief. On paper, Punk had the in-ring edge, doing everything MJF can do, and them some. MJF's strength is that he never strays. The people don't bother him, he rarely takes a risk, and he's not going to be drawn into a firefight. He's going to run his offense and capitalize on forced and unforced errors. He also knows the rule book and the blind spots better than anyone helping him take advantage of any slip-up and officiating. Staying within himself, Punk should beat MJF given his skill and experience advantage. That's the brilliance of MJF, though. Whether an opponent gets frustrated or too caught up in wanting their moment, MJF doesn't waver. He simply capitalizes by any means necessary on mistakes. Immediately, MJF goes between the ropes to cause a break as Punk charges in. The moment referee Bryce Rimsberg turns his back to force Punk away, MJF catches him with an elbow. The greats know all the little tricks, and while MJF may lack the overall experience due to his age, he's well beyond his years in knowing what he's doing in the ring. Punk turns the tide and goes for corner punches, but notice the arm positioning of MJF. He's immediately ready to counter as Punk plays to the crowd. MJF slips and pulls the leg from underneath Punk. However, 
Punk seemingly sensed MJF's counter, grabbing the ropes and landing on his feet. Already, we're seeing high-level countering and gamesmanship from both men. Punk lands a series of kicks, and MJF tries to catch a timeout by going into the ropes again. Punk's striking, especially his kicks, are a big advantage for him, and he goes to them early. This time, when MJF is in the ropes, Punk spins off the referee and stays on the attack, knocking MJF to the outside. Punk lands a series of strikes on the outside, but as MJF creates some separation, he tries to leave. All this is mind games from MJF. He's not actually going to leave in the middle of arguably the biggest match of his career, but he's forcing Punk to chase, and he's giving the impression that he's afraid. Now, Punk wants to punish MJF for trying to run instead of keeping his focus and just beating him. Punk could easily take the countout victory, or force MJF to come to him. Instead, he's playing right into MJF's game, seemingly without knowing. To Punk's credit, he makes the most out of the time on the outside and the leniency of Bryce Remsburg. He uses the beer can and the handrail as weapons before eventually dragging MJF back to the ringside area. Back in the ring, Punk hits a series of scoop slams, offense that wears on the back of MJF, but also forces Punk to expend energy. MJF is not a small man, and Punk is not a power-based wrestler. He's even using energy to get MJF back to his feet for the slams, rather than waiting on MJF to make his way back up. The crowd chants one more time after a third scoop slam, and Punk gives the people what they want. He's feeding off the crowd, but his confidence is bordering on cockiness. Punk takes too long getting up to the top rope, and MJF easily rolls out of the way. MJF parks himself in the corner and then moves as Punk comes charging in. Punk goes through the turnbuckles and crashes to the floor. MJF has found his opening as Punk didn't stay on the attack. Much like Punk did against Darby, MJF used Punk's own speed against him. Punk is favoring his left shoulder after missing the corner charge, and MJF now has a target. He drops a knee on the wrist, bites at his fingers, and hits an arm breaker. He's going after every nerve on the left arm, which is rare for most competitors who focus on one area or bone rather than the entire leg. MJF uses a hammerlock to continue to wear on the arm of Punk. Punk goes to the- Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Well, one too many times with the back elbow as he tries to fight out. This allows MJF to counter by ducking and clocking him with a clothesline, hitting Punk with his own Pepsi Twist action. MJF is showing that he has Punk scouted and isn't afraid to steal plays out of a tried and true system. Punk does his best to protect his left arm, but MJF continues to stay on the attack. Not only is MJF damaging Punk, but he's setting up his salt of the air submission for later on in the bout. Punk moves to the ropes and tries to buy some time, but MJF simply uses the ropes to bend Punk's arm in discomfort. Punk is in serious danger early on in this match. He's not being overwhelmed like he was against Wardlow, and he's not being hit with body blows like he was against Kingston. 
is being methodically picked apart in a way that he hasn't experienced in an AEW ring. MJF makes a mistake of giving Punk the high ground a little too much, even as he continues to work over the arm. On the top rope, space is limited, and a fall can change momentum. Instead of dragging Punk down and continue to ground him with arm work, MJF followed Punk up to the top, and Punk was able to knock him down. Punk's high-risk move of a crossbody pays off, and now he's on the attack with punches and a neckbreaker. Punk hits his signature knee and bulldog combination as the adrenaline starts to flow, and he does the best he can to mask the pain in his arm. Punk calls for the GTS, but all that does is tip off MJF, who rolls to the outside. Punk stays on offense, hitting a scoop slam on the apron, and then allows a fan to slap MJF in the chest, which fortunately didn't spark any incident. Punk goes to the top, trying for the top rope elbow once again, but MJF cuts him off and crotches him. It's the second time Punk has taken too long to set up the elbow. He seems caught between two minds right now. On one hand, he's trying to rush the match, as evident by him signaling for the GTS to try and end things. On the other hand, he's still trying to put on a show by getting the fan involved with a strike and going for a high-risk elbow. It's a level of uncertainty that we don't often see from Punk. MJF goes up top with Punk again, but this time, he's learned from his mistake. He keeps his head tight to Punk so Punk doesn't have the space to throw a strike and immediately goes into a top-rope knuckle-lock throw, not allowing Punk to regroup after being crotched. Punk finds a burst of energy with a Pepsi twist and once again calls for the GTS, but MJF pulls the referee in the way. There does seem to be some sense of urgency to Punk's game right now, and MJF seems to sense that as well. It's not an honorable tactic, but it's in the rules to use the referee as a shield, especially if the referee is as lenient as Rimsburg has been in this bout. As Punk pulls the referee away, MJF uses his tape to choke him. Punk tries to tell the referee, but his cry to Rimsburg that MJF is cheating only looks like a cry for help as MJF locks in the choke. MJF smartly uses his left arm as the arm under the chin of Punk as the elbow pad serves to hide the tape. Normally, the elbow pad would be a hindrance on the choke as its bulkiness would create space. In this case, the damage has been done with the tape, so the elbow pad serves as a shield even if it makes the choke a little less effective. Punk tries to lift MJF for the GTS but doesn't have the stamina or oxygen to do so. MJF drags him down to the ground and is able to get a hook in while on the back of Punk. MJF changes to a gable grip, giving him more leverage on the choke and allowing for a tighter squeeze. The ref raises Punk's arm three times and it drops three times. The crowd is stunned and unhappy as MJF has defeated the hometown hero. During the celebration, the tape falls from MJF and is spotted by Rimsburg. MJF could have done a better job at hiding the tape to get away with things, but Rimsburg didn't go to the replay booth, instead opting to make the call to continue the match without actually knowing what happened. While Rimsburg was correct in his assessment, the referee should have conclusive video evidence before making such a call. Punk has immediately found a second wind and decks MJF with a series of strikes. He continues to stay on the attack, ramming MJF's head into the corner and unloading with corner punches. Punk hits an inverted atomic drop followed by a clothesline to knock his opponent down. Punk looks re-energized, but the left arm pain is noticeable, and one has to wonder if he spent too much energy so quickly after being choked out. That question is quickly answered as Punk looks to go for something resembling a sharpshooter. The technique is anything but excellently executed. This has to be an exhaustion factor, as Punk certainly knows how to execute the move, but his body and brain aren't in sync at the moment. MJF easily shoves him off and to the outside. MJF is willing to take a countout victory because he knows winning is the only thing that matters. Punk gets back in the ring, and MJF immediately pounces. He steps on Punk's throat, and then his left hand, before raking at the nose. 
He follows that up by snapping Punk's left arm across the ropes and using more tape and the ropes to choke him. MJF has identified the weak areas of Punk and has put his focus there. The left arm is damaged and he's having trouble breathing. This is simple but brilliant offensive focus from MJF. Find a weakness and exploit it until there is a counter. Punk hits two shoulder blocks with his right shoulder, but then switches and tries to go with his left shoulder, only damaging himself in the process. Another miscalculation on the part of Punk, and MJF takes advantage of that by snapping Punk's arm and throat onto the rope. Punk is making mental mistakes we don't often see from him due to exhaustion and brief energy bursts that have him thinking he's fine before his body ultimately fails him. Punk shrugs off the Heat Seeker pile driver and it's a springboard clothesline. It's another momentum swing for Punk, but it remains to be seen if he can capitalize. Smartly, Punk seems to know he's better off trying to end things as quick as possible as he goes for the GTS. However, due to his injured left arm, he can't control the top half of MJF, allowing him to grab the ropes and ultimately escape. MJF snaps the left arm of Punk down across the cables again, but Punk finds another burst of energy with a springboard dropkick. Punk hits a tope suicida, but comes down hard on his knee and is clutching at it. MJF is yet to see it, as he almost got knocked into the crowd. If Punk is unable to mask the knee pain, he's created another target for MJF by going for a high-risk move that, while it landed, was a wash at best and a net negative at worst. In the ring, Punk can't mask the knee injury, and the moment MJF sees it, he targets it with a kick. MJF now has three points of focus to go after Punk, and none of them can be easily hidden. Punk's wrestling IQ is about to be tested as he has to figure out a way to defeat MJF despite glaring holes in his defensive game and an offense that is completely stalled. Punk grabs the top rope with his left arm, and MJF comes off the corner with a double stomp to the arm. Another mental mistake by Punk as he grabbed the rope with his bad arm to keep himself up, only to leave the target exposed to MJF for further damage. MJF goes into a tequila cloverleaf submission and really shows just how good his offense is. This isn't a move you see regularly from MJF, but it's a move he's adopted in this bout because of the defense Punk has given to him. Because it's not a move MJF uses often, it's not as crisp as it should be, and Punk manages the fight out and reverse into an STF, straight out of the championship playbook of John Cena. We saw in his bout against Eddie Kingston, where Punk will go into the playbook of past rivals or greats to catch his opponent off guard when his own offense isn't clicking. Unfortunately for Punk, the damaged left arm doesn't allow him to maintain the hold for very long. After some quick grappling exchanges, Punk goes for the GTS again. But not only can he not control the top half of MJF's body due to his weakened left arm, he can't even get full lift on the move due to his weakened left leg. Punk collapses down, and it's fair to wonder if he can hit the move at all at this point. More quick pinfall exchanges that lead to close falls, and as Punk has a head scissors pin, MJF grabs his ankle for an ankle lock. Though it targets the left leg of Punk, it's a mistake by MJF as the ankle isn't the issue. The knee is, and MJF is way too high on the move, allowing Punk too much mobility. Punk uses this to his advantage, rolling through and sending MJF into the corner. Punk wins a prolonged striking exchange and then ducks under an MJF clothesline. Punk shows a new wrinkle in his playbook, pulling out a poison Rana to catch MJF off guard. Punk smartly takes the move on his right side to protect his damaged side, but his landing shows how little he's gone to this move in practice, much less in a big match situation. Being down this late, Punk is showing that he's willing to try anything to mount some sort of a comeback and fully swing the momentum in his favor. Punk gets a two count off the Poison Rana, and then he can't even stand after, falling to the mat on two separate occasions as his knee won't support him and his body can't perform what his brain is asking. 
The good news for Punk is that the Poison Rana has damaged the neck of MJF, who is struggling to operate at full capacity himself. MJF is a little more in the tank though, hitting a chop block to the bad knee of Punk. MJF ducks a wild swing by Punk and comes back with another chop block, this time to the back of the knee. MJF might be having some neck issues, but he hasn't lost focus on his target. Punk fights out of the salt of the earth, but another wild swing allows MJF to hit a pump handle bomb for a near fall. The pin here shows how much of a toll this bout has taken out of MJF, who has been in control for the majority of it, but he can't seem to make a proper cover, giving Punk plenty of space to kick out without expending too much energy. He's being pinned, but it's actually a sign of life for Punk that MJF is struggling to make a more technical cover. A scramble leads to Rimsberg having to turn away to avoid contact, and as he does that, MJF hits a mule kill. Once again, MJF takes advantage of any opening in the rules as he knows he's not going to be DQ'd for something that the referee didn't see. MJF once again tries to take advantage of the rules and Rimsberg's lack of awareness, rolling up Punk and putting his feet on the ropes. Somehow, Punk finds enough strength to kick out. This is nothing more than veteran fortitude by Punk, who is running on instinct and autopilot that only comes from years of being through the toughest battles on the biggest stages. MJF keeps his focus on the left knee of Punk, bending it and dropping his weight on it before whipping it into the ring post multiple times. MJF has slowed the pace down while remaining in control. Only the greats understand how to control the pace of a match and MJF has already reached that point at such a young age. His attack remains focused and he's able to buy himself some time to get his neck feeling better. He's a true wrestling prodigy and fans are witnessing him ascend to new heights against the legend. MJF attempts a ring post figure 4 but can't properly execute it and Punk is able to fight him off. Earlier, Punk attempted to run a Bret Hart play with the sharpshooter and showed poor execution. Now, MJF goes to the Bret Hart playbook and shows poor execution of his own. It goes to show that there's only one excellence of execution in wrestling history and why many consider him the greatest in-ring performer of all time. MJF continues to attack the left leg of Punk in the ring, but Punk finds some space with a leg lariat and his trademark corner knee. He uses the right leg for both moves, but as he goes for the bulldog, it's with his left arm. He can't get a proper grip, and MJF bites his way out of the hold. Another mistake by Punk, as things were working when he uses the right side of his body, but the moment he tries to run his offense to the left side, MJF immediately counters. Up top for the third time, as MJF has a grip on the hand. Once again, MJF tries to keep his head close to Punk, so Punk has no space to land a strike. Punk counters this by biting MJF. This is high-level countering and adapting by both men, as neither can go to the well more than once without the other having things figured out. Punk goes deep into his playbook with a Pepsi plug. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. And it's this kind of move that Punk needed to really catch MJF napping. Many thought we'd never see this move again. And given the state of Punk's knee, the move was probably the last thing MJF thought he would be caught with. Punk's in a desperate state though, and felt the reward would outweigh the risk. He's clearly favoring his left knee after the move, and can't immediately make the cover. As Punk tries to crawl over, MJF wisely just rolls away showing great ring awareness despite his stunned state. MJF rolls all the way to the outside and buys himself some time. He also knows that Punk isn't going to take a count-out victory, 
So even if Punk chases, he'll be wasting more energy rather than refueling in the ring and forcing MJF to waste his own energy by getting back into the action. Right on cue, Punk goes to the outside and toss MJF into the ring. He gives MJF the advantage by rolling in second, and MJF capitalizes by kicking at the bad knee of Punk. The Pepsi plunge looked spectacular and caught everyone by surprise, but it's immediately negated by Punk making a boneheaded play. MJF goes for a tombstone that is reversed, but Punk doesn't have the strength to maintain control. MJF rolls into a near fall, but is met with a head kick on the way up. Punk's feet continue to be a weapon that he can't utilize as often as he'd probably like due to the damaged left leg, but when he's able to use them, he's found success. Punk finally hits the top rope elbow for a major near fall and now seems to have the momentum on his side as MJF is reeling. Punk once again calls for the GTS. Eddie once again tips off MJF as to what he's trying to set up. This allows MJF to fall to the outside. Against lesser opponents, Punk has been able to tell them exactly what he's going to do and force them to stop it. That's not happening against MJF, who has an elite ring awareness and has only faltered in this match when he's been caught off guard. Wardlow comes to ringside, though his intentions aren't quite clear. Remember, poor coaching from MJF cost him against Punk. Wardlow has expressed his unhappiness with MJF, but has not formally requested his release or trade from the pinnacle. He's still under contract to MJF, who knows he has a valuable asset and isn't going to give him away for nothing. Wardlow gets in Punk's face, seemingly to protect MJF, but then he moves. He's removed all references of the pinnacle from his bio and liked tweets regarding his unhappiness, but hasn't gone directly to management to say he wants out. Wardlow distracts the referee, and his distraction is a key part as Punk turns around and MJF levels him with the dynamite diamond ring. Wardlow wouldn't need to distract the referee if MJF was throwing a legal punch, so him occupying the ref shows he's still team pinnacle as MJF picks up a victory. And with that, CM Punk has suffered his first loss in AEW against a man many have pegged as a future world champion. Punk's performance was not as bad as what he showed against Wardlow, where he was overwhelmed and thoroughly dominated, but he made a major mistake that left targets for MJF. MJF's game plan is always simple. Find the weakness, target it, and control the pace. He wasn't going to take any risk, and it's up to his opponent to limit their mistakes while forcing MJF into his own. The replay shows Wardlow handing the diamond ring to MJF during the face-to-face -face with Punk, a trick play that Punk had no counter for. He was wary of things when Wardlow came to ringside, but it was a well-disguised trick play that he never saw coming. MJF hands the ring back to Wardlow to ensure it's not dropped like he did with the tape. One final adjustment from him, even after the match is over. This is a man constantly learning and adapting, and fans are witnessing the rise of a legend. With Wardlow keeping the ring safe, there is no reversal of the decision, despite replay evidence. Punk's first loss wasn't without controversy, but it wasn't a performance where he should hang his head. He was outsmarted and outmaneuvered throughout, and made mistakes that he ultimately couldn't recover from. But he was in the match, even with the advantage, until the trick play led to his demise. On this night, he was simply bested by a man who was better than him. The stats from our friends at Pro Wrestling Musings show MJF manipulation of the rules and how he used that to his advantage. Though the numbers say Punk was on offense the majority of the match, the eye test painted a different story as MJF was in control thanks to his pace. Punk won the striking exchange, but wild swings and untimely mistakes cost him on multiple occasions. MJF had the submission advantage thanks to his limb work and focus. Punk winning the taunting battle is telling as it was him and not MJF who felt the need to play to the crowd too much, likely having to do with Punk being in Chicago and a rare lack of focus. 
This loss was a setback for Punk, but one he could learn from when the two met again. Next time on the series, Punk wasted no time looking for revenge against MJF as the war of words gets even more personal as the two men head into a dog collar showdown.